Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys Podcast, and we are back with episode 80 as Andy and I come together on this beautiful Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, and uh, I have to say this weekend was a glorious weekend. Uh, Weather-wise, you couldn't ask for anything better in November, and Andy, how are things going, and, and how, you've been, how have you been this week? I've been good, man. Like you said, I just had the dog out. Uh, it's wearing it. I'm wearing a t-shirt right now. It's uh, beautiful. It's been a beautiful last three or four days. Uh, sunny, warm, which is nice, which lets me know that this might be the last pocket we get and things might get cold soon. But oh, man, it's been awesome. Uh, but I have to I, I won't lie with between all the reports about when the season's going to start, even though it's only a month. Uh, Every time I hear that it might not hockey might not start till February, although there's been really conflicting reports. Uh, but it, yeah, it's really got me. I really am missing hockey. Like I want to, I just we we got Alexi Lafreniere. I want to see this kid in camp. I want to see him in a Rangers uniform. Uh, I want to. I just want to get back to hockey. And even, I know the NHL is looking at the first, and I can deal with that, especially as the holiday season comes around. If you see their you know teams have their training camps going and optional skates and all that. Like it makes me excited, but if it's not nothing till February, you know, I don't know, man. Obviously, we'll have the World Juniors to kind of to hold us over with their bubble in Alberta, but um, yeah, yeah, I, I mean, just I just can't wait to get back to hockey. Yeah, that'll be certainly nice. I, I I feel for the teams that really haven't seen hockey, and it feels like almost a year now. You know, at least we had the hype of the Rangers entering the bubble. Obviously, that didn't work out, you know, as planned with the you know the Rangers kind of having a big dumpster fire there. But yeah, I'm super excited. Rangers are one of the teams that I think every hockey fan has to be so curious uh, and intrigued to to look at because of, you know, our younger players, uh, the dead weight that we've, you know, kind of released and got off our, our, our train here. So, you know, we're, we're on track to really be an exciting team to watch. And I'm not saying that because we are Ranger fans, but I mean, there's very few teams that, you know, have this aura around around them. And I think the Rangers are one of them. Yeah, I'd absolutely agree with that. I think, like I had set up top, that everyone is curious to see how Alexi Lafreniere is going to quit himself, especially considering Hughes and Kako maybe had a more difficult time. But he is definitely in the most advantageous position a first overall pick uh, could possibly be in. He's on a team that's not a bottom feeder. Um, he can be insulated he is a bit older birthday he's had plenty of time to rest and train so it's not like he should have uh i mean i guess the opposite could be true in that not playing hot organized hockey since march could hurt him uh but yeah we at this point we don't know if they the rangers will release him to the world junior team for canada but even so yeah it's just fascinating you know finally having clarity in net they're going ahead with georgiev and igor uh everyone's a year older I think the young guys maybe have more expectations and should be ready to step up. And yeah, I mean, there's plenty of those young guys, you know, as long, even if just one or two of them takes a step forward, uh, as long as no one really regresses really bad, it, it should be really interesting. So as a Rangers fan, I'm obviously very excited, but we need some clarity here about when the season's going to start. 
like I said, there's conflicting reports. The NHL does is still wishing to do January 1st date, but it, obviously there is uh, multiple obstacles in the way, especially if the pandemic doesn't seem to get under, we're getting a spikes across the country and ca- in Canada. Uh, but who knows, you know, I mean, if we get some good news this month about a vaccine by either Pfizer and Johnson Johnson or any of those other companies, who knows if it maybe makes uh, teams more bullish on saying we can probably pull this off, even if it's looking a little dicey at the moment. And, you know, I just don't, I just can't imagine teams having the appetite to, I know a few owners have apparently gone to the league and said, you know, without revenue in seat revenue, we, uh, you know, it maybe doesn't make much sense for us to do this, but their TV deal for the uh, NHL and NBC is coming to a close. They need uh, negotiating power and bargaining power. So I think it's their in their best interest to make sure the season goes happens one way or another. So, but we'll see, there's a lot of, a lot of balls up in the air, but we said that about the uh, bubble and they found a way to get it done. So, Hopefully they can uh, they can get it done and, here and not only get it done they got it done successfully I mean you got to applaud I I mean maybe because where we were in the middle of the you know in the middle of the uh, you know ground zero of this pandemic outbreak in the United States early on you know I I was doubtful with the NHL but they pulled it off and they did it successfully and it seemed to be you know without many complaints so. Uh, hopefully they could, uh, you know, dig into that, you know, magic hat and pull out something, uh, something here for us. So I did, I did want to ask you, when do we know when the Rangers will make a decision about, uh, big Al? So I had heard that, um, yeah, because Tom Rennie, our old friend is involved with hockey Canada. And he apparently reached out to Gordon and John Davidson to ask, and this was last week. And then I think it was reported that, the two circ parties would come circle around in a week's time, which is about now-ish. But I think okay. at the same time, we've been hearing that the league within the next, from maybe a few days ago, within the next seven to 10 days would have a decision on announcement on when their projected start date is. And I think that's the big thing. If it's January, if they're committed to January 1st, I think Lafreniere doesn't go. If it becomes more like February, I think they reassess and they say, we got to get this kid some playing time because yeah. now it's early November. You're saying he's not going to get it, step on even just practice ice for another two and a half months there. Like, and he's hasn't played since March and he's just been skating. Like, yeah, I think like we, we'd already heard Kirby doc has been released by the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, and you know, obviously if the season starts or training camp starts on time, they'll just pull him whenever they want. They can recall him, but yeah. Yeah. If it's not going to go to February, I honestly don't know why, if, if I'm the devils, why I wouldn't let Hughes go. I understand him and Kako have already got a season and doc already have seasons under their belts, but they're young guys. They're still only sub 19 year old players. Like, and, and if you look at the competition, the quality competition and going into this world juniors, you're going to have some guys that are fit who maybe in the past would have foregone, but because they haven't played hockey, they're going to go, you know, for other teams. So I think all it takes is, you know, you have doc already going. So, and all it takes is like, maybe imagine, imagine the devils do let Hughes go. Then all of a sudden the quality competition's higher and it might be worth it while for a, uh, for Lafreniere or Kako to go. But, it's going to be it's going to be fascinating to watch. So a question just popped into my head and it, there doesn't seem to be much controversy around these younger players going to go play. Why is it such a big deal then with the Olympics? You know, listen, these young kids are obviously the young future stars of these organizations. Why isn't there uproar about, you know, from the owners about letting these kids go play in this tournament? But when it comes to the Olympics, everyone all of a sudden has a, you know, yeah, everyone all of a sudden, you know, gets crazy with like these players possibly getting hurt. I think when it comes to prospect development, it's a much easier sell for for owners. You know what I mean? To be like, this yeah. is, if this like you've invested time and money into this kid, he can't not play for this long. I think the circumstances around it are a little bit different, whereas a projected Olympics is during time when they should be resting up for the next season in terms of at the end of the day whether it's i think it's it's kind of two sides of the same coin in that owners they don't like their players going to the olympics because if they get hurt it's not it wasn't uh in line of them you know them getting any value out of that player for ticket revenue or playing games one or whatever but at the same time it's like to say that it this kid playing actively hurts our bottom line if he can't develop into the player we, we want him to develop into so i think it's a little different but but it's also but at the same time, it is kind of similar because it's it would be. Can you imagine if 
they do let Lafreniere go. He got hurt last year. Luckily, we, luckily he was able to come back, but he gets hurt. And then all of a sudden he misses the start of, you know, he misses a month or two because he pulls something. It's, it's, it's definitely a possibility. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And especially to, I guess now you have to weigh with, that. Like, with these kids really not playing as much hockey as they probably would like them to be playing up to this point in their development. So um, yeah, obviously there's so many sides to this uh, and, you know, I'm just excited for hockey in general, whether that's, you know, obviously the uh, world juniors, you know, and it's a special time of year, the end of December, usually you end up watching, you know, the, uh, the, you know, the, I guess, what do they got the qualifying rounds and then into the yeah. you know, gold medal and silver medal and stuff like that. I mean, there, there is nothing better than watching that, but that was alongside an NHL season. So I, if it, if it kind of bleeds into one, and we get like kind of, you know, we get the world juniors, then we get an NHL camp and then we get the start of an NHL season. I can make it. If you're going to tell me that there's a bigger gap in between that, I don't know. I'm uh, It's going to be tough for me. But uh, no, I feel the exact same way. And, you know, I I think, like I said, the biggest thing is these kids haven't played. Some of them haven't played since March. That's a long time. Yeah. And. Yeah, you know, you you've seen what preseason hockey looks like and how sloppy it can be. I mean, you know, with young guys like this, yeah, those especially if you're in a an empty arena with no, I don't know if they're gonna pump in crowd noise like they did. They might just literally borrow the NHL setup, and I wouldn't be surprised if the NHL is lending as much of their maybe their live yeah, event right. people because you have to imagine, you know, the the uh, the the IHF has money, but at the same time, I I don't know if they it's like the cost of doing something like this. I think it's, yeah, especially just to have all those players. in. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the NHL is footing at least a small portion of the bill or has some stimulus oh, yeah. to help them out, but. Oh, definitely. And this is like, you know, you want people to get excited for this tournament and then get excited for the NHL season. You know, I, I think finally all eyes will be on the world juniors without the NHL kind of being there also. So, you know, this is going to be, you know, every hockey fans dream. And I think the ratings will be off the charts for you know viewership yeah you know the funny thing is i obviously pull for team usa every year but this season there's a potential that on team canada you could have lafreniere if he's there might be the captain if they can guarantee he's going to stay the whole tournament you're going to have uh Braden schneider most likely will make the team matthew robertson is a possibility for the team uh dylan garand might be one of the goaltenders so potentially you know four rangers uh on Canada's team, it might be hard for me not to root for are them they, a little. Are bit. they expanding those rosters as well? Mm, um, I think so. I would imagine they are. If they're going to be in a bubble, that you're going to need, and someone goes down, you're going to have to make sure you have adequate replacements. So I assume they would. Um, yeah. And if that's um, the case, it might be interesting. Maybe a guy who a Brett Berard might have a an outside chance to play for uh, Team USA, who might not before if it was a you know a compacted roster. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I assume so. But but like I said, uh, if it comes down to USA Canada, it's like I want those players to do. I want to see Lafreniere light it up. But, you know, I love, you know, I got, I, you know, I bleed red, white and blue for when it comes to World Junior. So it'll be very uh, it'll be interesting. It'll be I'll be conflicted. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I, again, I mean, I the selfish Ranger fan in me, it just kind of wants you know, Lafreniere just to rip it up and, you know, and it, you know, it's just like, we've never had this before. So uh, I'm all, all in this year on Lafreniere. Uh, I don't care what Jersey he's wearing. I root for him. USA is great. But again, like if devils let Hughes go, you know how awful it is to do I root for Hughes and team USA over Lafreniere. It's like Lafreniere is my baby. Like he is right now, like the biggest thing for me with the New York Rangers. Like I'm dying to see this kid in the red, white, and blue. Uh, I'm going to get a chance to see him hopefully play for Team Canada. Uh, you know, it, it'll be definitely conflicting. But ho holy cow. I mean, I, I, I'm so excited for this kid. And I just got chills thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think, like I said, this is uh, this tournament has a, a there's potential for it to become just because World Juniors is awesome. No matter what the enthusiasm yeah. of these, these these kids, you know, this some of them this might be their, the highest they, you know, they reach. Cause obviously just law of averages, all these kids, even though they're prospects, even, you know, on powerhouses, you know, there's no guarantee that there's some, so many guys that have like, 
that are like world junior legends, but at the same time, they, they don't do much in the NHL. So, you know, just to play this level, it's a shame they don't get the screaming, uh, you know, the energy of the fans, you know, but it'll, you know, I just, as a hockey fan, just want dying for something to watch it. It should be exciting. And I think once we hear about that projected start date, we'll know if teams with the recently drafted players will be more inclined to release uh, their young prospects to go, even if they've been there before. Cause Lafreniere, although he's got not nothing left to prove or a Kako, uh, yeah, if there's going to be no hockey till February, just let them go, you know? Yeah. So, um, all right. So let's get into kind of like the first segment here that I wanted to bring up and it does have a lot to do with, you know, the Rangers youth and younger talent and just the organization as a whole, really. But I've seen a lot of things on on Instagram about hockey rankings. I mean, this the Talking Hockey account is a great follow. I suggest I suggest following them because their hockey content is 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 great. But I do have a couple problems with some of their rankings. Now, it mainly it's my problem started early about probably a month ago when I texted you um, a screenshot of one of the rankings. And about two or three followed after suit with Fox not being listed on any list of young, good defensemen. No one will recognize this kid as they won't put him even in the same sentence as McCarr and Hughes. And I'm not saying he's better, but come on, you're, you're telling me that this kid isn't a top five, you know, young defenseman in the league right now. I mean, he is. I totally agree with you. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't really understand it either. I think, and you saw for he had plenty of Calder votes. You know, m- most of the time he was there were they were fourth, third, or fourth place votes, but he was in there. Um, yeah, I just think he's a victim of a few things. He's not flashy. He's a cerebral player, so he doesn't have that pop. You know, I think there's a reason why, whether it's um McCarr and Hughes just with the skating and the dynamicism and uh and or even like you know Nathan McKinnon just is so much he just pops out of your screen so it's just kind of easy to give those guys the the love but at the same time Fox is just you know you look at his point totals this season and nothing lofty but you understand that where those other on those the teams uh, that McCarr and Hughes they were given a little bit more runway early whereas Fox kind of had to work his way up because that's kind of Quinn's MO Ice time was hard for him to come by. He wasn't getting power play time initially. I think he was getting power play two time. And, you know, that second unit, I barely really saw the ice. I think Quinn only really put him out. And I understand when you have a first unit that has Zibanejad, Tony, uh, Truba, Panarin, uh, Kreider in the bumper spot. Like, I get it. You just, you know, you run them and you only put them out there if you're, you're mad. They're not, you know, you put power play two out to show power play one. You have to start making direct plays and putting the puck on net. So I get it. But yeah, I just think he was because he grew he grew into that slot, and by the end of the season, him and Lindergren were kind of the de facto first pairing because they thought they were going to have to insulate him. But I think people didn't really understand that you know Truba was going to have a little bit more trouble this year. Uh, Brendan Smith didn't really know where he was going to slot, uh, and Mark Stahl is more cooked than they initially thought. So yeah, I think there was a lot. Yeah, there was a lot unknown. So it took time for him to get there. So I think he's definitely a victim of circumstance with that, but yeah, it's, it's any list of honestly, any list of the top players in the league under 20. Cause how, well, how old is Fox now? Right. Adam Fox is probably Adam Fox. Uh, he is 20. Oh, he's 22. But yeah, any hell, even any list of, well, well, I think that's another thing too. It It was 23 and under. And he like, I mean, he wasn't even like on the list. He should be in the top 15. Maybe I can, if you don't have him in the top 10, I don't know if I agree with that, but yeah, I, I, sure. I get it. But I mean, it, just in terms of defensemen, like who, you know, uh, Hughes, I mean, how old is Charlie McAvoy right now? Like he's another, well, Mac- Charlie McAvoy, McAvoy also had an unbelievable season. I don't think he got the love he deserves. People don't really no, understand. He, he was on a list that like they did the top 15, defenseman or top 20 defenseman and he was yeah. like at the very end of the list i mean a very bizarre yes yeah. i actually um, think i can you send it to me i think i can pull it up hold on dude, dude, dude. yeah keep talking i'm gonna pull it up yeah no and, and listen I, i'm not sitting here saying fox needs to be number one 
but he needs to be in the conversation. Just his name needs to show up on these lists. Here's a yeah fan list, top 20 defensemen. This was uh, just a screenshot of, of the second page. I don't know if I have the, the first page because I remember you sent it to me. But but yeah, you, you assume that first page, you know, Fox is nowhere on it and we're up to 20, right? Like, yeah, so I can re- I can read off here the top 10, which is you got Hedman, Yossi, oh. Carr. Oh, so this Carl. is a, and that's also like older players in the league, too. Well, this one, yeah, this one's not uh, under 23, but he wasn't okay. even on, the under 23 was. Um, yeah, Fox wasn't even on like a top 20 list on that. I don't, I don't believe because like, even in the comments, they're like, how do you not have Fox here? And I, no, even I agree. Comment, I even commented on it and I said, Fox question mark, like this list is a joke. Like, how do you even not even have him in the discussion? So, um, it, it's just, I hate seeing, I hate seeing lists where our guy's getting shafted. And it, it, it's a guy that's, I don't even think there should be a question mark around this kid. I mean, Fox is going to be a special player for the New York Rangers. And he's going to be one of those guys that is going to be an all around defenseman. You know, you're not, you're never going to, you know, be blown away maybe by his numbers, but you know, you, you're going to want him, you know, on your blue line, you know, first pairing situation. Like, yeah. And, you know, I mean, I think the thing with Fox is that he is such a because he is you think because of the brain and the hands that it's, he should be an offensive defenseman, but he's really more of a two way defenseman. He's a guy that is he's maybe not like up tempo, lots of shots on net, and he's not like shut down defender. But in just in terms of a of a two way defenseman, he's probably one of the premier in the league. And if you probably look at his underlying numbers there, they're probably up. You know, what? you know, actually. So Jay Fresh. uh on Twitter. He's a friend of the hockey podcast network. He's been on a few. We'll, we'll actually should try to get him on one day. He's very good. I think he had a, here it is. Oh, I got it. I'm going to share the screen right now. Do, 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 do. Uh, damn it. Here we go. You see, can you see that James? Is that coming yes. up? Yep. Yep. Look at that. Adam Fox is already among the league's best two-way defenseman, an elite driver of offense, transition player, passer and zone entry defender. He didn't start in a top four role like Hughes McCarr did, but he earned it as a season one on. So, 22 years old, you know, projected war 2.7. His role is third pairing defense at the start of the year. But I mean, Jesus, if you look at his offensive and uh, defensive differential, like at even strength, look at that. It's crazy. And that's the percentile he, fa- he falls in the league. 99% yeah. enough is expected to go. Like, it's just, it's stupid. You know, and that's coming it's, from a, a season in which the. And you look at his shooting percentage too, like, you know. Yeah, I mean, let's face it. The Rangers' defensive zone coverage as a whole, as a team, was awful. So to see numbers that, you know, for Fox at such a young age, being able to handle himself in a team that, let's face it, struggled defensively all year long. Um, yeah, they did very well and probably overachieved on the offensive side of their their game. But uh, again, you know, defensively, you know, we kind of let our defensemen out to dry with given our, our forwards playing the D zone. So I anything... Yeah. Anything, any numbers that you see like that, obviously, you know, it's exciting because you know that is our future. You know, he is our future. Yeah, I will say, watching the play, uh, the play-ins, I think he struggled a bit as the things clamped down. The pace got a little bit quicker. He's not the most fleet of foot. I don't think that'll ever be a problem moving forward. I just think it was a bit of a there was an adjustment he hadn't he had been off, like everyone had been off, and I just think not knowing what to expect. He's a guy that. He's very much a rhythm player, I think, with the way he thinks the game, and he he like relies on his poise to like let him hold on to the puck longer. But if you take away time and space that quick, you know you have to be ready to do something with it. And because he doesn't have explosive escapability, uh, I think yeah, I think it 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 creeped up on him a bit. But I don't obviously don't worry about him because I just think it was an expect more of an expectation no. thing or not knowing him. Yeah, he'll be fine. But yeah, I, it you know if next year I think if he still has that. You know, if he has the full confidence of David Quinn and starts off from the get go, I would not be surprised in the least to see that he is among, you know, this will everyone's going to be like, oh, my God, Anna Fox really emerged this season when in reality, he's he's already done it. It's just, you know, he like you said, he's third pairing. He started off with no power play time. And then he's still by the end. He started, you know, rocketing up, uh, up, the, you know, this is the points board uh, for defensemen. So. And yeah, and just the other thing is that the fact that he's a smaller guy, but he defends so well with his head and his feet and his stick and just the poise and breaking out and just making those those 
perfect little passes to the open man or either just little chips off the board, just getting the puck where it needs to go to advance it up the ice. It's, uh, you know, Makar, you know, Makar is a guy that uh, the offense is obviously tremendous, but if you look defensively, he's at times, he's kind of had a little bit of trouble. He's, he's got a lot of like Tony's, there's a lot of riverboat gambling in his game. And sometimes if you're going to carry that puck up the ice that much, yeah, you know, it's good because you can be an elite transition driver, but at the same time, it's like, you can be uh, very you know heavy on turnovers, but Fox, not for a guy who possesses the puck as much as he does, doesn't really turn it over too often. You know, he's usually he's a very accurate passer and he's a very smart uh, decision maker. So, yeah, I think I think this by the end of next season, people will will see the light on how good Adam Fox truly is. Yeah. And, you know, it's tough to judge him in the in the play in round. You know, the Rangers as a whole struggled that whole series. I mean, they got exposed for, you know, what they were, a young team that lacked uh, experience and. Uh, you know, it's it's great that we have Panarin and Sabanajad to win us regular season games, but um, the playoffs are more of a team game. And I'm glad, you know, Fox got that experience because, you know, m- moving forward, I, I think I think his development and maturity level grows a, l- a little bit quicker than some of the younger defensemen you see entering this league, which is why I think it's, you know, uh, you know, really important you know, for him to get that exposure. And, you know, I, I didn't really, you know, I, I wasn't really concerned with his, with his play. You know, it, it was what it was at the time, the entire team stunk. And, you know, I'm just glad he got that experience because I do think his maturity level at this age, you know, the, the defenseman's kind of like a quarterback in the NFL, you know, you just want to see them make smart plays, uh, whether or not, you know, they're going to be, you know, game breaking play, you know, a, a game breaking play. You know, you're not always going to get that. You know, not not everyone can be as explosive as McCarr, as Hughes. But you know, to see a well-rounded game like Fox puts him in any discussion for a top young defenseman in the league, uh, even you know, just overall defenseman in the league. Yeah, and we've said before that there, even though I'm mad that it seems that he got robbed of some personal accolades or maybe the high gets highlighted for how good he is. If that's a long run thing that kind of keeps his cap hit a little bit lower, I mean, I feel bad for the player, but for as a team, that's good. You know, yep. if he has a maybe if maybe if he has more Calder votes, just that's more bargaining power. And you can say this is what he's worked with and he you can sign him. I hope they have the if they have the, the brains to try to get in, in on him early for a good number, because I think you no, know, if you can do that. You know, I think the, the more time that, that he's allowed to progress before they try to negotiate something with him and get him locked up, that number will just keep going up. So, yeah, uh, yeah, but sooner, sooner, the better with him. Uh, this team is and we're about to get into it, uh, yeah. has been very bridge happy the last few years. So New York uh, loves I, their bridges, man. Yeah. Oh, man. Br- yeah. So uh, good as transition of, as ever uh, to get into the contracts. The Rangers just uh, threw out uh, in the past two weeks. Yeah. So if you haven't really been following the Rangers during the offseason, a lot of question marks about their roster. Who's coming back? How long are they coming back for? What are we going to sign them for? Uh, I mean, a million different aspects, uh, a million different reasons to keep these players, to let them go. The Rangers kind of decided, you know what, we're going to roll the dice on on a couple year contracts with some of these players and and kind of see what we get. uh, personally, uh, for me, I love it because we're not married to any of these players. They can still be trade pieces. Uh, I, I think their contracts are fair, and I think there's a lot of positives to come out of you know these you know two year contracts. So, Andy, what was your initial thoughts as as you kind of saw the pro- week progress and the Rangers making all these signings? Yeah. So, I mean. I think the prevailing wisdom was that the Rangers were most likely going to punt the ball down the field. They were going to try the team coming back would most likely very closely resemble the team that uh, entered the off season after being eliminated in the bubble. That a lot of that was just, we knew Lundqvist was most likely <laughs> departing one way or another. We knew Mark. We, I don't think we really knew what Mark Stahl would be moving. Uh, we didn't really know until that we were getting Alexi Lafreniere. So that was a, a player coming in, but we also didn't know they might sign for a Jack Johnson and a Batetto to try to compete for those bottom spots. But yeah, it's pretty much on paper. It's very similar. Obviously, no Jesper Fast, but uh, just more opportunities uh, internally for some guys in the system, a Morgan Barron, a Patrick Kotarenko, uh, a Tarmo Reunion, and 
So, but yeah, pretty much on paper, same team coming back. A lot of uncertainty, especially with a static cap and what's with the pandemic and just the, the state of revenue around the league. Uh, so you, you had to figure that the league or the Rangers just wanted certainty. I think they, a big part of it, they signed Chris Kreider, not knowing Alexi Lafreniere is coming, going to fall into their laps in their mind. They're going to try to push for the playoffs at the time. And they probably most likely bet on drafting uh, anywhere from 15 to hope for, in their minds, hopefully the, the closer to 30, you know, if, they, yeah. if their run went well. Uh, and that's a player that doesn't step into the NHL immediately. You don't see him for two years at the minimum, you know. However, they win the lottery. So now they had just given Chris Kreider a what a seven million dollar contract for seven for seven or whatever it was, or six point whatever for a seven. Uh, so now I think, and you know, they they were locked into Truba not knowing, thinking that he was going to be their number one right pairing guy. You know, he struggles a bit, but Adam Fox kind of emerges and Tony has a fantastic season. It kind of changes perspective in the eyes of management. And so I think just having that happen there in their minds are like, we can't lock anyone off. You know, it's just they they had been burned, you know, a few times just locking uh, some guys into to high profile tickets. So I just think they they needed to punt the ball down the field. They, and that's probably how they played. Uh, explained to the players are like, look, we have a lot of buyout. We have Kevin Shattenkirk's buyout in our books. We still have Ryan Spooner's buyout in our books. Uh, you know, Lundqvist obviously gets bought out, so that now he's got some cap hit on the books. But a lot of that goes away. They just have to make it through the season, and and a lot of that goes away. They don't. We don't have the money to give you now. But if you want to bet on yourself again, we we like having you. But this is all we can do. And I think for the most part, yeah, all. All sides avoid arbitration. I don't think anyone really wanted it to get to that point because, you know, this year, if uh, you could walk away, if it was over, I forget what the figure was, if it was over like four million or something like that or or three point whatever. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, players didn't want to be trying to shop themselves because a lot of teams just don't have the money to give out. Everyone's kind of uh, uh, being a little bit tighter with the purse strings this year. So between uh, D'Angelo, Lemieux and Strom all avoiding arbitration, I think, I think all parties involved are happy. I mean, we can get into the individual contracts. I actually have cap friendly pulled up here. I guess we'll start with, we'll go in order. D'Angelo signed first, right? Well, I, I also, before we get into the individual sure. contracts, I do want to note you. Yeah, I mean, you brought it up. Our buyout situation for this year is maybe the worst in the league. I, I would, I would find it very difficult <laughs> uh, that another team is in our situation in terms of the buyout. Uh, Oh, we I, well, I can also pull that up. We can look at it. <laughs> almost $13 million in, in buyout uh, with 5.5 for Hank, six just over $6 million for Kevin Shattenkirk, 300000 for Ryan Spooner, and $1.1 million for Dan Girardi. And they leave Richard. Richards is technically on the books. At As $0. a compli compliance yeah. buyout. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it, it's, it's just, it still serves as a warning of that. This is a team that, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, a part of me thought we might have saw Mark Stahl on there, but we were luckily they were because he only had a year left. They were able to get, you know, with a little bit of sweetener on Detroit's end, they were able to uh, get rid of him. So, yeah. So, again, this year is kind of a wash in terms of what we're really able to bring in and and uh, afford. And and you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of question marks going into this season in terms of team revenue and and, uh, you know, just. You know, just so many question marks makes it really tough to really commit to these players. So I, I like and you I love your analogy of the Rangers pretty much just punted downfield and and waited because I, I think that's so accurate. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing is that w no one really knows what's going to happen with uh, COVID and how that will affect their the players, you know, buyouts or excuse me, not buyouts, but just uh salaries like how what percentage are they going to get are they going to get the full do they have to play this many games the contingent i didn't really look into the to see what the agreement the nhlpa signed with the league um it's yeah it's just tight things are tight everywhere right now and it's not a unfortunately it's a bad it's a bad time to be a a ufa um although i guess tail unless you're taylor hall and buffalo is desperate you know but that's yeah. one team that's maybe one you know uh, we still haven't seen uh Hoffman sign he's still floating out there and you imagine a lot of teams want them there's probably a place and it's been said he has places he wants to go but 
the money hasn't been freed. A lot of teams had to free up money to make moves, you know, especially you look at Vegas and trying to, uh, to acquire Petrangelo, they have to let go, you know, guys like Schmidt who are, who are, you know, imperative parts of those teams. So it's, uh, yeah, it's tough it's, out there. Yeah. Especially those teams that feel like they're right on the cusp of being a contender. You know, I, I think Vegas obviously is one of those teams that really, you know, think that they're, you know, one or two players away, but, what can they afford? Do they really want to go for it this year in terms of, you know, trying to bring in someone big, especially when they, when you don't know what kind of season you're really going to have. So um, the way the Rangers have handled this off season, it's not, I don't think it's what every Ranger fan expected, but I think looking back at it right now, you can be very happy with the way the Rangers have handled this whole thing. Yeah. I mean, we're going to get into the contracts. I don't think any of them are egregious or like, you know, uh, eyebrow raising, you might say, ah, you know, he probably, he could have, you know, they could have shaved a, you know, 200 K off that, but nothing, you know, like I said, nothing egregious. Uh, they, you, we were just looking at those buyouts once that's off the books, I think in their mind, they're not, there's not gonna be much moving this year. And I think they also want to know what they have in their players. Like is Heedle, Heedle, Strom is still here. Because they don't know, you know, they 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 thought they had Heedle all but penciled in to be ready for two C last season, and that just didn't happen. He wasn't ready, uh, and who knows if he'll be ready this year? Maybe he's not a center long term. Maybe he is better as a winger. You know, he's skilled, but at the same time, he's kind of a individualistic play. He's not, you know, maybe his skill set is more of that of a guy who gets in on pucks and makes things happen. But is he cerebral enough and good enough facilitator and good enough defensively to be a center long term? I mean. These are still, will he be a good enough uh, face-off guy between the dots? Like they don't, these are questions they don't know. Like will Brett Howden be able to hold down a, a bottom six center spot? Like I th- think they still don't have any clarity. They don't know where the chemistry is with Lafreniere is how does Kako look after a rough season? Although he looked good in the bubble. Can he pick up where he left off? Is he what they thought? You know, I think there's so many questions who can fill in for Jesper Foss defensively to, to help uh, stabilize their lineup. Yeah, I think they these are all questions the Rangers have and in order for them to yeah, they weren't going to do anything too hasty. They were just going to like we said punt the ball down the field. Uh every contract they gave these guys was pretty much in line with what we all thought. No nothing crazy. Uh they avoid arbitration with all three three players. We pretty much have the same team on paper give or take, you know, Lafreniere, Jack Johnson, Jesper Fast and maybe if uh who knows if a Rooney makes it to the bottom six, if a Morgan Barron makes it to the, as a, you know, comes in as a bottom line player or even a surprise like a reunion or a Patrick Kotarenko. Like, yeah. But for the most part, everyone, and, and that's just with COVID too, I think it, with the pandemic is that all these teams, they just, I think a lot of them just say, we have to, we want to play to develop our players. But I think there's only, you know, there's a lot, there's some teams that are apparently don't want to play this season or they're just, you know, I think if 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 uh, Eugene Melnick had his way, the Senators would just like, you know, peace for a season, you know, so they don't have to have any revenue operating costs and just come back next year. But um, it is what it is. So I, a lot of teams are just kind of trying to tread water. You know, I think the the, the Blackhawks announced their they take the page out of the Rangers book. They're officially rebuilding or on paper, at least they, they make it even though they kind of been doing it. They make it uh, more pseudo official because. Yeah, they, it's not the best season to try to pull pull a rabbit out of your hat. You know what I mean? The the card the deck is stacked against you, as it were. Some enforcer based podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. And now Semenko out in front of the goal, pounding away at Joe Kocher, who's down on the ice, holding the back of his head. Um, you know, actually, what what really surprised me, especially with Twitter being like Leaf Nation, was Grimson over Colt Nor. That actually, that voting really surprised me. I didn't think that would happen. Don't forget to catch the Fourth Line Voice Podcast wherever you find your podcast. Presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. Mark Bergevin. And everybody goes on and on with the whole PK thing and blah, oh, and he hated him because he doesn't like fun and blah, blah, blah. I have heard from a few people that Mark Bergevin's hilarious. No, this guy was a riot. Yeah, he would uh, be at the bar and... He's like, oh, I just had a penis colada. And the girls would like give a double take. And be like, what? He's like, yeah, I had the penis colada. You know, I, it's not bad. You know, it's... Enforcer-based podcasting wherever you get podcasts from.
Yeah. And uh, so let's get into like a little bit of these contracts. Uh, I, I really want to start with Anthony D'Angelo, uh, Tony D. Probably the most, you know, controversial contract uh, out of the, the three main ones that got signed this past week. Uh, only because of, you know, his performance last, you know, the last season and, and his ability to put off, uh, put up these numbers. And I don't know. Rangers signed him for two years, 4.8 per. I think it's an excellent signing. Given our talent in an organization at defense and the kids that are coming up, I think it's really important that we don't marry two, two defensemen. We've already married Truba. He's here for and 8 that, million. And, and that might not, yeah, and that's already not, if based on just one season, not saying he can't rebound, but that's already looking... You know, they signed Jacob Truba thinking, not knowing what they have in, in Fox, not knowing that D'Angelo is going to break out like he was. They in, the, in their minds, he was going to be their their number one, uh, a first pairing defenseman who was going to play on their on the power play and be a quarterback like he was in Winnipeg, just bombing from the points. You know, and he had those lofty point totals, but now he's not the best option there. They take him away. So all of a sudden you're paying him all this money and he's not doing the things you signed him for. So. True. Um, I in his defense, though, I think a, uh, I think a, a one benefit number one is no no Shea this year. I think oh, yeah. there's too much of Truba and Shea trying to make it like the friendship duo. You know, we're best friends and we're gonna play in the NHL together. And yeah, there was a there was a lot of. Are you gonna take it or am I gonna take it? Do we, am I rushing the puck? Or are you rushing the puck? Are you gonna break it out or, or am I staying here? Yeah, I think there's less of that. And listen, Truba was our best defenseman but, in the oh, ball. Absolutely, yeah. And that's the thing with him is that he's a guy, and we've talked about this before, that he plays his best hockey when he's like in it. When he's like, when when the house is on fire, he's good because he feels pressure. He he kind of rises and he rails against a bit. You know, when he's physically engaged more and he has to play a little bit nastier, he's definitely better. He he skates more. He's less of just slowly floating towards the crease and looking left and looking right, looking left and looking right, and just keeping his feet planted. Because when we see that Jacob Truba, where you're you know at a Tuesday night at the Garden against uh, the Vancouver Canucks, like that Jacob Truba. If that's the one we're getting, we're in trouble. But if you get the guy that, you know, it's especially those games against Carolina, how chippy they, they were getting, that's the Truba you want because that's when he's playing his best hockey. So, and I definitely get it. He, that nastiness and the big hits and the things like, yeah, and the the steadying there, yeah, there, that is worth a little bit, a few more uh, uh, dollars on the cap hit. But at the same time, it's like, to your point, James, is that, they don't. I don't think the Rangers want to marry themselves to anyone until they know what they have. And you know, they have such the, maybe the most promising, probably the most promising pool of young defense of defensive prospects yet to enter the league. You know, maybe you can argue uh, that Ottawa is in a similar boat because they have names like Brandstrom and Bernard Docker and all these guys to who will join Shabbat. But the Rangers are up there too. You know, with Lungfist and Kandre Miller, and now Braid. Excuse me, uh, coffee. Brain Schneider, Matthew Robertson, Zach Jones. Uh, Man, Tarmo Reunion, and they have such a excellent crop of promising young defensemen. And who knows how they'll slot in, or if they'll be better. So, do you really want to block the way for these guys? Or they, I think they want to put themselves in the best uh, spot to determine who will be better, who projects better ultimately. Do, or even if if all players involved are good, but it's like you have so much of this shade, and now we need a little bit more of this. Maybe they need, you know, because the Rangers were the number one team defensive team or a team in terms of defenseman scoring last year. Correct. Right. Yeah. So, you know, they got the offense solved. It's just the, the defense, they were bottom of the league, you know, or, or close to it. So they're bringing in, uh, uh, from Jacques Martin to hopefully give that overhaul with rough's departure. And yeah, you know, as they have plenty of guys who can move the puck, it seems. So maybe to your point, maybe it's like, they just have to make sure they can see what they have in their, their coloring box, you know? Yeah, and listen, you'll—it's hard to find a person that's you know pro Tony D. I I love the guy. I I thought you know what he the aspect that he brought to the New York Rangers was excellent. Um, am I surprised he didn't get moved a little bit? I thought there was a lot of teams that could have used a player like Tony D'Angelo, uh, especially Vegas. But that's yeah. not the direction that they headed in. Uh, so there's a couple points about this con this the signing. Yeah, number one, it's short term. He could be used as a trade piece. I don't think his contract's that overwhelming that uh, a team that's uh, competing for a Stanley Cup wouldn't be able to find room for him. So I think that's definitely a plus. 
Mm-hmm. And and second, listen, you have Truba making eight million. Do you really want Tony D'Angelo making all this money long term when you have so many young star like stars that will potentially need to be signed for the New York Rangers? I mean, like, listen, I appreciate Tony D's game, but if he's not having a good season offensively, then there's really no point in having him. Like he's not some guy that's going to be able to go out and shut down the, another team's top line. That's just not who he is. That's not his makeup as a defenseman. And it just seems like we have the offensive defensemen that seem to be coming up. We have all these promising young forwards. It's like, yeah, he can bring in that extra dynamic, but I don't think it's going to be, he he's not going to fit the Rangers DNA four years from now. Yeah, I just think when you have, especially with Adam Fox, like if you have a if you have a Tory Krug, like a guy who, you know, you're you're really trying to split your time between your excellent two way guy. You know, you have you, well, if you're Boston, you you uh, McAvoy and Chara, which are more of your two way shutdown pairing. You know, Chara kind of guards the house. McAvoy does the transition work over you know the full two hundred feet, and then you have Tory Krug out there where he's you know. He's handling, you know, you you try to maximize his puck moving potential. And Fox has that in him. We've seen it. And just as a may, I, maybe his offensive highs are go, not going as high as D'Angelo, but at the same time, just in terms of that, his defensive impact is better and he can reach those at uh, reach it closer. You know what I mean? He can maybe just be uh, finish 10 to 15 points behind Tony, but just defensively, his impacts are so much better. Yeah. That's a guy you're going to want to force feed ice time to. And if you look at all these guys coming up, Andre Miller and uh Hell, Braden Schneider might will probably ride shotgun with one of those guys as a nasty, you know, player or even, yeah, just even Jacob Truba, you know, trying to justify that contract to be, it's just to find ice time for all these guys is going to be tough and you can have too much of a good thing. And the Rangers actually, the amount of right-handed defensemen they have right now, especially in their system, it's just, it's strange to be in this position. But like you said, there's so many teams that need that. And if you can deal from a position of strength, and you would have to argue Truba's contract, unfortunately, makes him not unmovable, obviously, because I think there's teams that would want him. But I think he got the protection. He wanted to come to either the he wanted to come to the Northeast or Detroit or, or just to anywhere, you know, a major market in the state. So his uh, I believe it was his now wife was is going to medical school and she wanted to be in a good program. So, yeah, I just think he is makes the most sense. He's a known quantity. He's got point production proof of concept to shop to other teams. He's right-handed. He creates offense. You look at the market, you know, Tory Krug, uh, I guess Petrangelo is a different type of player, but still you want teams want players like this. And he's got definitely has the most value, especially that he's not too old. This is, you know, his cap hit for the next two seasons is very eatable, especially if the Rangers ever had to retain on it. Can you imagine, you know, just needing if you're a team that's going into the playoffs and you're strong, but you look at your power play and it sucks. You know, that's the one thing that's about you. You're just a sub power play team and you bring him in as a quarterback. Like, you know, that solves a lot of your problems. So, yeah, I think between his contract and the ones they gave Strom and uh, Brendan, they're all very tradable. And at the same time, though, they they have the option to resign these guys, too. I think, you know, we if, if it comes out that maybe it maybe K. Andre doesn't pan out the way we thought he does or me yeah who knows i mean tony is a restricted free agent at the end of the two years so um again though you also don't know what the future has in store why marry tony d'angelo when we could bring in really a maybe a a big time number two center jack eichel and (laughs) and you're gonna have to you know skim uh (laughs) skim the salary somewhere else you know, you, you have all these young defensemen coming up that seem to be pretty promising. I'd rather have them on their ELCs, yeah, and then bring in a number two center and save and save a you know a few money, a few money, a few dollars elsewhere, defensively. Yeah, you know, and I mean, I guess with the talk of two C, that kind of brings us to Strom. Yep, this was the interesting one because this was the only one I thought the Rangers might walk away from like there was no chance they were going to walk away from Tony just based on his age and the the numbers he put up Strom everyone you could sense the trepidation from the fan base you could sense the trepidation from the organization 
just yeah, even just comments that have been made publicly and on, on MSG Network. There's even a video I think on YouTube that's like, "Will the rain? Is there a chance the Rangers do not resign Ryan Strom?" It's like a video on YouTube, which is for through MSG Network, which is you know obviously trying to get a message across to the player and the agent. But look, I mean, like I said up top, that there is a lot of uncertainty with the young guys ready to ascend to these positions. Uh, obviously, there's also trepidation with. Panarin has a heart caliber season and Strom has a, because of it, Strom being attached to his hip has a good, good year. And yes, I will not discount the fact that, you know, Panarin has his best season with Strom. That's gotta be worth something. And it is, but if, if Panarin maybe just doesn't hit the highs next year and he becomes just like a 90 point player and all of a sudden Strom is just a, you know, 50, perhaps even, you know, 40 to 50 point player, all of a sudden that, that changes the, yeah, it changes the math a little bit and you look at it just differently. So, yeah, I just don't think I think everyone kind of understands that in a perfect world, Ryan Strom is not your your second line center, especially if you're a contender. The Rangers understand they're not there yet and they want to start they want to start making waves and making inroads towards the playoffs. So he's the guy he's Mr. He's not Mr. Right, but he's Mr. Right now. Uh, so, you know, them getting him at under five i was happy i thought i i didn't i didn't want i thought if it was if they awarded five they the rangers would walk away hell i even thought if it was like 4.8 they might walk away but like i said you get them uh you get them pretty good at at, at 4.5 for two years it's tradable especially with retention um you know especially for a team hell if a team is just looking for a guy like if you're a team going to the playoffs and your number second line center's hurt but he might come back. You just don't know when like Strom is a perfect guy. You know, he can yeah, drive. Guy, absolutely. He, and he's shown that he can play with if, or if you have, if you're, if you're one of those teams that you're like, we're too top heavy, we got to spread, spread things out. So, you know, Strom has shown he can play with skilled players. That's actually where he does his best work. You know, you can't, he's a, he's kind of a top six or bus guy. You know, he, he, str- he struggled. He was good with Tavares or initially with the Islanders. And then he kind of like, they wanted him to be a true, you know, line driving second or third line center. And it just wasn't, it wasn't his thing, but lo and behold, it's that he was pretty good uh, last season for the Rangers. He was even better this year. And he's a guy that he, he has a good mind offensively for the game. So if when if someone else is holding, you know, carrying the mail, he knows where to be and how to help back him up best, you know, the best he can. So yeah, I think that's super valuable. And I think there's teams that want that, you know, they, if they want to spread it, if they're top heavy and they want to say, we're going to split these guys up. Uh, you know, I'd be it'd be funny. You know, I think you'd imagine, even though it didn't work the first time, but you know, yeah. there's it's like Leon Draisaitl and Connor McDavid. It's it's clear that uh, the front office has wanted to split those guys in Edmonton. Wanted to split those guys up forever. They just can't because they a like playing together because they literally have no one else to play with. So it's weird it didn't work there because I think that's if I'm a, I think that's where if I'm a, a GM that needs needs to yeah to not be so top heavy and try to spread the wealth out like Strom is a, a perfect facilitator of that yeah you know a couple of things when I saw this contract number one again he becomes a, a trade asset for the New York Rangers uh, over the next couple of years and uh you know number two it kind of fills the void until we kind of can get a grasp on what we will need in the future yeah so you know, I think it's a perfect signing. I think it makes sense for both players. I don't think there's another position out there or another team out there for Ryan Strom that, you know, gives him, you know, this much, you know, playing time and talent around him. You know, where is he going to go where he gets to play with Panarin in a big market, you know, for this much money? I just don't see another situation in which he he's he's a solid two, like the sec, a solid two yeah. C, you know, and if his, and if his camp is, has really sees the writing on the wall and knows that the Rangers yeah. probably aren't looking to looking to invest in him long-term just, you know, when you go to GMs, pull up guys stats. And if they, you see his stat line over the last few years up and down, if he gets an, at least another season or two with Panarin and you see numbers like, uh, what did he put up last year? Like, yeah, around 60 points, something like that. Like yeah, so Strom had 18 goals, 41 assists in 70 games. So yeah. So like if, 59 if, points, he would have easily hit. 60. Yeah. If you, so, you know, if he, if you see, you know, if you see 60, 55, 57 or whatever, 53, that makes, that's, 
better because if you trade him now, he's not putting up those points again because he's probably there's no guarantee he will get put with a Artemi Panarin. So if he's looking to make some, you know, that last contract of his, if he's looking to make some coin, that's his chance. You know what I mean? Is to is to right now get those get the the Panarin rub, get the boost, and then off you go into the wilderness, and someone will look at that and say, well, maybe he's not this, but he's still like. You know, they'll try to prorate him as a maybe more of a 40 point player than when actuality he might be like really more of a 30, you know, 30 to 30, you know, 40 point player. Yeah. And it's and it's tough, too, because, you know, he, he's got to bring it this year, because if uh, Panarin has an off off season, you know, he's going to get the blame. You know, no one's going to blame Panarin for having a bad year. They're going to blame <laughs> yeah. the players that are playing with Panarin. And, you know, not having Jesper Fast, I know a lot of Ranger fans don't really buy into that that kid's game. But overall, Fast did a lot of good for that line and, and was more of a yep. blue guy there than and than people, I think, realize. So it'll be inter- interesting to see what Strom brings to the table this year. Uh, obviously, playing with Panarin, I don't think he'll completely collapse, uh, you know, because I think everyone defending that knows where what player to be focused on. So I think it'll create a lot of time and space for Strom. And let's see if he can, you know, put up another 60 points because we're going to need him to, if we want to sniff the playoffs. And then, uh, yeah, yep. so well, see you pulling up the, pulling up the last contract here, uh, Brendan Lemieux. Uh, what were your initial thoughts here? So uh, Lemieux, you know, when I think of Lemieux, it's weird. I, I cause he is, his skill set is so unique in that he's kind of a hard player to gauge because you know you understand that the you sign him not for the output so much as the intangibles but you need but you you just need him to make sure he's competent or he contributes in some way it doesn't necessarily have to be on the you know luckily Brendan Lemieux was actually a good driver of bottom six offense like that's what the numbers say he himself probably is not the, you know, he's not he's not a finisher, so he's never going to put up the counting stats. But he drives offense, and you know, you've saw we've seen with him that it seemed you know he's he had there was an adjustment in terms of getting more ice time and not being you know Winnipeg as a young guy. It was like, you know, he's even gone. I think he was on D'Angelo's podcast where he's talking about it was hard. You know, it, like coming up from from the AHL, just they want you to be a guy that they can you know they only put you out and you know short bursts and you just have to make that impact and then adjusting to getting more time. And hell, we saw when it wasn't working and, and Quinn liked them, he put them with Mika Zibanejad sometimes this season, yeah. you know, and Panarin, I, th- I think he played with once or twice on the off, on the off wing. But, um, you know, I was not expecting the world because especially like there was no chance in hell he was going to get more than, than 2 million. I thought that was way too rich for my blood anyway. Um, I think he's worth every bit of this. The 1.5, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, I for some reason I thought his yeah his base salary goes up a little bit, uh, so he gets more you know not in terms of the hit, but uh, he will get a little bit more next season. And yeah, listen, he's still a young guy, right? Doesn't have where's his age? Yeah, he's 24 years old, yeah. so he'll be 26, so maybe a little bit older than you'd want to be, but it's still fine, you know, especially for what he brings. Every team wants there. How many how many teams in this league are looking for the next Tom Wilson? The Rangers just you know based on the draft they just had between Will uh, Cooley and Matt Rempe, like everyone wants just like a big guy that can be a real pain in the ass to play against, but can also put the puck in it. Every it's like everyone's unicorn. So, but yeah, I mean you look at the amount of uh, penalties that Lemieux, uh, you know, he takes a good amount, but he he you know he draws even more. He drives uh, bottom six offense very well. He's going to be your, he's a staple for your bottom six and he kills penalties. So honestly, this is, it's a good number. Is it, uh, I mean, in a perfect world, maybe it's instead of, uh, you know, instead, and I think in a perfect world, instead of uh, 1.6, you know, five, he's probably making closer to 1.3. But like I said, uh, up top, I'm not going to, I'm not going to complain about an extra 200 K. The Rangers were able to get everyone kind of in line with where they thought they were going to get them. Uh, there's nothing egregious. There's no head scratchers. Uh, everyone's coming back. And that's the thing. I think he's a guy that is as a sweetener because he, you know, those intangibles have value and you can use him as a sweetener. They have a young guy, like all the prospects in their system are not going to be Rangers one day. They have just too many of them. But you, if you take one of them and you take a Brennan Lemieux and you put them together, 
you know, either either Lemieux follows that has fills out pest role for you, and that's great. You know, every they they the Rangers wouldn't shut up about how big of a loss he was to not have him playing until the last game of the plans. And exactly. I think there's there's an element of truth to that. Yeah. But just as a tone setter and just feeling comfortable and like you're in the driver's seat. And then at the same time, like like I just said, you can he has value, and I think he's a guy because of the intangibles kind of supersede the the contract you know what he can bring and what he can do i think he's got a lot more value than you, you would think so you, you package him together to for maybe maybe the rangers are in a position uh, two years down the road where it's like they feel like they're ready to contend they need to trade for a second line center or you know whatever they just want that one more piece on the back end they package a young guy who's just ready to break in the league and Brendan Lemieux and you can get him. So yeah, uh, like you said, James, all these contracts are tradable and the Rangers didn't really reinvent the wheel here. They, they've been burned a lot just because of fortuitous circumstance in the past year. No one foreseeing either a pandemic or players coming to their own, causing uh, some of their signings to change their roles between Kreider now having to fight it out with Panarin and Alexi Lafreniere with at his cap hit and, you know, Taruba. So they just needed some certain they needed to punt when they punted. Yeah. And, you know, looking at this contract, um, you know, yeah. In an ideal world, would I like to see this at like 1.25? Because, I mean, listen, the numbers are not there, but the intangibles are. And yeah. I, I'm very curious to see his role this year with the New York Rangers. If he's going to really take advantage of being that pest, um, and and you kind of saw the Rangers without him, and you saw the Rangers without in the bubble, uh, without him, without Fost, and you see that these contracts matter. You know th- these these smaller you know uh, you know smaller contracts for the one point five million, the one point seven millions for these non sexy players. You know they matter with the team success. You know they drive those bottom lines. They they chew up minutes, and they they sometimes can be a spark plug uh you know for for the top two lines you know so i think this is uh, an intriguing co- um contract uh it's e- easily movable uh we only have him for two years uh i'm very high on lemieux i think he brings uh a necessary role to the new york rangers and you know it, it is what it is at this point you know it's I, he's a guy that is just trying to psychoanalyze going into this season you know on the le- too much competition on the on on the left wing for him, yeah. Uh, you know, or else he's doomed to play. But you know, which is not bad because he he'll probably he'll definitely will have stints on the fourth line this season, obviously. But if I'm him, I'm looking at that third line right wing slot, and I say to myself, that's where I want to be. It's realistic. I'm not going to play on the first line. I'm not playing in. I'm not going to play ahead of Kako. Uh, I'm not going to play ahead of Buchnevich unless you know for whatever reason they're not going and Quinn wants to move me up. But I look at that third line and that, you know, that means that I'm playing on my off wing, which means not that he's much of a, a passer or playmaker anyway, but that means he's going to probably have, he's going to have to be more of a shooter. He's going to have to put the puck on net more. And we actually saw that, you know, to, when the Rangers first traded for him, he was playing on the right wing and he was shooting the puck more. Whereas, you know, he was uh, playing stints on left wing this past season and he was in the midst, in the midst more, but he was like getting it on pucks. But I think he'll be more in a position to shoot the puck or at least he's going to have to crash the net more. So, and that could lead to good things for him. I think he can actually have a career year if that's the case. You know what I mean? It's just, there's too much competition on that left side. You know, I don't know if they Kreider wants to move over. They're not going to move Lafreniere, you know, they'll, if you know, they, they, I don't think they try him at center to do this early, but they're not, you know, he was so successful there. You're not going to just say, Oh, let's put him on the right. No, that's not happening. So maybe Kreider switches over, but if I'm Lemieux, I have to shoot the puck more. I'm on my off wing. Um, and I, yeah, you just, it's, it's a little bit different to figure out, but just, you know, he's, it's more going to be more of the same, but that's, that's where if I'm him and I want to, you know, his father is his agent uh, and there's a lot of pride there. I'm sure. Yes. You know? Uh, so, so I think, you know, they're, they're, they want, yeah, I think this is, this, this is him betting on himself. And, you know, I think there's good faith that the organization will try to put him in the best position to succeed or, if he ultimately wants a change of scenery where he thinks he can, uh, you know, he thinks he can maybe make some more, some more scratch or take on a bigger role. And then, yeah, he does it. So, but there's, there's yeah, just to, to put a little bow oh, on it. Work out here. There's always Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. And hell, he'd probably love it there. You know, yeah, he's, he's a big golfer, you know, I think, yeah, why not? 
uh, you know, he grew up in Colorado, so he's close to closest to home, right? Or California, I forget. You know, I know is yeah, whatever. But yeah, it's like you said, it's just he brings such a unique element to this team, and I think he is a guy that I think he does look at it like that. He has to look. He's more of a he has to carve out his own role, and that's I think how he he's going to look at it. So uh, I think him adding some offense would behoove him. And I think the more talent, young forward talent, this team infuses the, the more beneficial it is to him that he can like Strom catch a lightning bolt. What if he, can you Matt? you know, what if just for one, you know, he plays a few games with Lafreniere on the third line, Lafreniere, Heedle him, you know, maybe it, it's possible. And uh, he could, he could really benefit. He then he'd have to change things up a bit. He'd have to get the puck to those guys or do the the muckraker work. But uh, this could be a, a line that could be hard to contain on a cycle. So, yeah, it'll yeah. be fascinating to see. But he's definitely, I think, he's betting on himself. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, no, that would definitely be exciting. I mean, if if he if he you know becomes that guy that just busts busts his butt to get open for Lafreniere and and you see a little bit of a uh, you know some nice passing going on between the two, you know, who knows, maybe they do have success and could drive, you know, a, a third line. That's a threat scoring threat. So um, I know we were coming up towards the end and um, I, I don't want to bring down the, to- the the whole podcast, but it seems that uh, Alex Trebek has passed away, Andy. Oh no, really? Yeah. So, um, you know, oh, that's, man. A, that's a tough blow today. Uh, yeah, obviously he, he was a great guy. Uh Obviously. It was it was great to see him make the selection for the uh, the Ottawa Senators just a few just a scant month ago, right? So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah it was crazy. Uh, Canadian and honestly, you know, Canadian icon, but legend yeah. in just in North America, you know. Uh, and uh, yeah, that really sucks. But uh, I mean, Jeopardy is yeah, kind of timeless and kind of immortal, and people are. Uh, even though, you know, even throughout all these years, even with uh, all of his struggles recently, he always kind of looked the same. Just, uh, yeah, you know, you get in the back of a New York City taxi cab. He's there talking to you and you're you're going along with it, just doing the quick questions. And uh, yeah, it's a yeah, he's definitely a big hockey fan. So, yeah, our we our condolences out to him and his family. It's a big loss. It's, you know, like you said, so uh, this, this one's for you, Alex, if I, I'm pouring, pouring one out for you right now. Uh, thank you for tuning in for everyone who's watching us live as we record this on Sunday, uh, Sunday afternoon. Thank you. Uh, this episode drops tomorrow, Monday morning to just, uh, tidy it up a little bit. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Broadway boys pod. Um, yeah, it's, uh, we should have some interesting, stay tuned to our Twitter feed this week. We should have uh, some interesting questions. And next week I have a, I have an ingenious idea for a podcast. So there will be more information on that soon, but uh, stay. Yes. Please uh, follow us at Broadway boys pod. Please follow the hockey podcast network at hockey pod net. Your home for coverage of every team in the national hockey league, as well as original content. And yes, make sure you stay tuned for uh, to our Twitter account for more information on what we have going on next week. I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, you might even uh, win some free swag out of it. So, uh, thank you for joining us, and uh, we will see you all next week. Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod, and please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.